You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has, this, has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside of a palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail the king of Jews! And they were striking his head with reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled the passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to a place called Golgotha, which means place of skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, the king of Jews. And when they had crucified him, they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, aha, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross. So also the chief priest with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Alehi, Alehi, Lam of Sabatni, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a last cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who was standing facing him, saw that in this he breathed his last, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. Please remain standing as we pray together. Father, we have just heard with our own ears the account of the crucifixion of your son. Lord, we pray right now that in this place, Lord, that you would open every single heart to the reality that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the perfect one, hung on a sinner's cross for us. Lord, we pray that you would help us right now, Lord, open our eyes, Lord, Help us to see and savor Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And Lord, may we leave this place today changed by his mercy. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat this morning. I'd invite you, if you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd invite you to open it up um, to Mark chapter 15. The account that we just heard read this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to pick our way through Mark's account of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And in the next few minutes, we're not going to have time to stop at everything, but we're really going to highlight some of the, some of the things that happened to Jesus Christ leading up to his crucifixion, and then we're especially going to highlight his death on the cross. We've just heard read Mark's account, and with all sincerity, what Jesus endured on the cross for us was brutal. There's no other way to put it. The crucifixion is absolutely brutal. Never before in human history was there a person so undeserving of such cruel treatment. The sheer horror of what happened on Good Friday should rock each one of us to the core. The sad reality is that if you're anything like me, sometimes it doesn't. And it's easy for us to come in here and to be numb to the content of what we read in the crucifixion account of Jesus. And I am praying that is not the case this morning. I'm praying that as we work through this narrative, that the Lord would press deep into our heart what happened to his son for us. And that this morning, we would feel grief and sorrow as we contemplate the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to invite you to feel the weight of this day. Good Friday is, without a doubt, the darkest day in human history. I want to invite you this morning to feel the weight of the crucifixion of the Lord of glory, the Lord of light, the creator of all things, Jesus Christ. But then even more than that, I want to invite you this morning to lift your eyes, to lift your eyes and to see your Savior who suffered so much for you and for me in our place. Allow yourself this morning, allow your heart to be fully captured by his love, by his passion, and by his suffering for us. This morning we're going to start in verse 12 of Mark 15. If you'd look there with me, let me read it to us and just follow along in your own Bible. And Pilate again said to them, then what shall I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. This morning, we've got to get this reality. Right up front, we need to understand this, that Jesus died he died to save sinners, and he freely gave himself for us. We need to get that before we go any further, that Jesus Christ was not a religious martyr, that Jesus Christ was not an unwilling victim, but Jesus Christ willingly, freely died to save sinners, and he freely gave himself for us. Notice this. 
Notice right here at the beginning of this passage that Jesus, that he chose to be condemned. What, a, what criminal today would stand before his judge and not plead his innocence? Even more than that, what person accused of doing something wrong would stand before their accuser and not plead their innocence? But Jesus Christ stood before Pilate. He did not plead his innocence. And when Jesus stood before Pilate, he did not make a defense. He chose. He willingly chose to be condemned. He chose to be rejected for us. Let this scene grab hold of you for a moment. Only days before this, the crowds, the crowds that are present right now, while he stands before Pilate, only days before this, those same crowds cried out a different song. With joy, with gladness, they sang, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King of Kings. They took off their jackets, they laid them in the road, and they rejoiced as he entered the city. But now the scene has turned. Now they cry out, but they cry out something different. They cry out a more cryptic, dark, hateful note. They cry out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. All of this, all of this Jesus could have silenced in a moment. Don't forget his power. Don't forget who he is. The same Jesus that stands before Pilate in this moment being condemned is the same Jesus who gave sight to blind eyes. He's the same Jesus who healed the sick. He's the same Jesus who raised the dead. He's the same Jesus who cast out demons. And he's the same Jesus who calmed the storm with the word of his power. You don't think that he could have stopped this in an instant. He could have. He chose. He willingly chose not to. He chose to be condemned for us. He chose willingly to suffer in our place. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, freely chose to give himself for you and me. Do you ever doubt God's love for you? Do you ever doubt in this world that is so hard and so messed up that the God of the universe actually truly loves you? If you ever doubt that, we're all prone to doubt that at times. If you ever doubt that, look at what Jesus endured for you. Willingly, he endured it for you and for me. He was condemned for us. Listen, from there, the soldiers led him away to be mocked and to be abused, verse 17 through 19. And they clothed him with a purple cloak, twisting together a crown of thorns, and they put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. We've got to get this as well. That Jesus Christ not only chose to be condemned for us, but he chose willingly to be abused for us. He stood in our place and he took the mockery and the beating of those soldiers. He took all of their cruel punishment upon himself willingly for us. He was mocked for us. He was beaten for us. He stood there while the soldiers bowed down in mockery. The soldiers who should have been bowing to him in worship bowed down to mock the king of kings and the lord of lords. He endured that. 
all for us. And they took a crown of thorns and they put the crown of thorns on his head. And they didn't just put it there. They didn't just set it gently upon his head. John tells us that they hit it with their hands and they pressed it into the skull of the Savior. And Mark tells us here in this passage that they mocked him. They took a reed, they took a stick, and they whacked it. And they kept whacking it in mockery to press the thorns deeper and deeper into the precious head of Christ. He endured it. He endured it all for us. He chose to be mocked. He chose to be beaten. He chose to wear the crown of thorns. But the crown of thorns is so much more than just an instrument of violence. The crown of thorns that is put onto the head of Jesus Christ is really a picture. It's a picture of Christ enduring our shame and taking our scorn. Unwittingly, the soldiers place a crown of thorns that they no doubt had woven together with their own hands. That symbolizes, and they wouldn't have known this, that symbolizes the curse of humanity. Remember all the way back to Genesis when Adam sinned. What did God curse the ground with? He said the ground will no longer bear fruit, but it will produce thorns. And right there, unwittingly, the soldiers weave a crown of thorns and put it onto the head of the Savior. What's the picture? Here's the picture. Our sin, the curse of our sin, my sin, your sin, each one of our sin is thrust onto the head of Jesus Christ in that moment. That's the picture. See and savor your king. He wore the crown of the curse for you so that you wouldn't be cursed for all of eternity. Wow. This morning I pray that the Lord would really open our hearts and our eyes and our ears to these realities. He not only endured these things for us, he embraced these things for us so that we would have eternal life. Don't doubt the love of God for you. Look to Jesus. Look to his suffering in your place. And after they'd mocked and abused him, after they'd put the crown of thorns onto his head, they let him out to be crucified. Let's look at verse 22 through 24. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. And they divided his garments among them, casting lots for them, and decided what each should take. Listen, Jesus chose to die for us. He freely chose to die for us. We can't miss that reality. He was condemned for us. He was abused for us. He freely chose to die for us. Notice the words here. They took him out and they crucified him. Let me say it again, because this reality is so easily missed on our hearts, especially if we've heard it many times before. They crucified him, the king of light, the Lord of life, the good shepherd who longed to take his people to his side and care for them with his tender love and his sweet care. They crucified The chief priests who should have recognized him. The ones who should have known exactly who he was based on the scriptures and based on all the things that he did and based on the testimony that he gave. The chief priests and the scribes 
mocked him. Verse 31, they cried out as they walked past him on that cross with mockery, cruel mockery, saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Notice they almost got it right. They almost understood what was going on. He saved others. He had saved others. No doubt they're referring to all the miracles that Jesus had done up until this point. He saved others. He cannot save himself. Almost. Not quite. Here's the reality. He saved others and he came to seek and save the lost. Therefore, he will not spare himself. Because Jesus Christ came to save, to truly save, to save from our sins, he did not spare himself. He willingly gave himself up on that cross. Listen, it wasn't a power issue that kept Jesus on the cross. He had legions of angels at his command. He could have stepped down at any moment. It wasn't the power of the Roman authorities. It wasn't the power of the scribes and the Pharisees that kept Jesus on the cross. What kept Jesus on the cross was his choice to die and to give himself for sinners like you and me so that we could be saved for all of eternity. That's why Jesus was on the cross. It was my sin. It was your sin that held him there. This morning, the goal is not to be overly graphic as we contemplate the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But listen, we can't whitewash crucifixion. I was on the internet this week. I was on Google. And to be honest, most of the pictures that you see there of crucifixion are way too tame. They, They resemble nothing of what true Roman crucifixion would have been like. It was the most horrific, gruesome death that could be died. In fact, so horrific and so gruesome were the Romans that they actually spent time perfecting the ways of torturing people before they died. And and crucifixion was the worst way that they found. That's how horrific it was. They crucified him. Those three words would not have been lost on Mark's original audience. I think that they're a little bit lost on us today. We live in a society that glamorizes violence and and whitewashes it to make it more palatable and appeasing and appealing to us, but they wouldn't have been lost on Mark's original audience. Mark was writing to a Roman audience, and as a Roman audience, they would have witnessed firsthand crucifixion, if not every day, every single week of their lives. And so Mark's audience would have been very familiar with this. They would have seen with their own eyes someone hanging on a cross. They would have seen with their own eyes their body that was beaten beyond all recognition. They would have seen them so beaten and scourged with a whip that their insides were coming out. They would have seen that with their own eyes. They would have heard with their own ears the crushing sound of iron piercing through bone. They would have known the realities of crucifixion, but it's easily lost on us today. Listen to how the Bible knowledge commentary defines crucifixion. It says, normally, both outstretched forearms were nailed to the crossbeam. Then this beam was raised and fastened upright to a post already stuck in the ground, and the victim's feet were nailed to it. A wooden peg partway up the post on which the victim sat helped support his body. Death 
from extreme exhaustion and thirst was painful and slow and usually came after two or three days. The wounds swelled about the rough nails and torn and lacerated tendons and nerves caused excruciating agony. The victim of crucifixion literally died a thousand deaths. It's in the horror of killing the Son of God by the hands of sinful men is by far the most heinous crime ever committed in human history. By far. Nothing else even compares. Because it was the Son of God that died on the cross, the Holy One, the Pure One, the Sinless One. But listen, as we contemplate the crucifixion, we can't miss the main point. It was not just the sheer physical violence against Jesus or the things that he physically suffered that should grip us. In fact, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was so horrific, so grotesque, that the sun refused to shine for three hours. Call it a coincidence. Call it what you will, but I would say it's the heavens in revolt. That the Son of God would be nailed to the cross by the hands of sinners that he created from the dust. Here's the most horrific thing about the cross. The most horrific thing about the cross is not that Jesus physically suffered, though his physical suffering is unimaginable to us. The most horrific thing about the cross is that on that cross, the Lord of glory, the pure spotless Lamb of God, had on him piled all the sins of the world. Your sin, my sin. Think back over this last week. Think back over your own life. Try to even count how many times you sinned. I can't count, and this was a good week. I can't count in my own life. I don't even know the extent to my own sinfulness, but all of it in that moment was piled upon Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Peter tells us that he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Here's the reality that we can't miss this morning. This reality. The cross is the place where God's holy hatred for sin and his perfect love for sinners like us meet in perfect harmony. We can't miss this this morning. We can't miss this. We can't miss the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. We can't miss that. And that anyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. We can't miss that this morning. If we miss that today, we miss everything today. Don't miss the weight of the cross. The horror of the cross is ultimately that the sins of the world were heaped onto the pure, spotless Lamb of God. Every misdeed, every arrogant thought, every selfish act of rebellion, every ounce of prideful arrogance against God, every murderous intent, every adultery, piled, piled, piled upon the Savior. The crushing weight of every sin was put on Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and in the holy wrath of God, he crushed his Son. Don't miss that reality this morning. That was my sin that put him there. That was your sin that put him there. And it was because of that that Jesus cried out with a loud voice, verse 34, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Listen, church, our sins, our guilt, our shame was piled on our Savior, and this is the gospel. It is the glorious gospel. It is the great exchange. Our sins were piled on Jesus, 
And as our sins were laid on Jesus, then his righteousness can be laid on us. At the cross, we come by faith and we exchange our wickedness for his holiness. That's the cross. It's the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus Christ died for us. This gospel, this gospel that we can be saved through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ comes at the most tremendous cost. It came at the cost of the Son of God slain for sinners like us. Charles Spurgeon said it well when he said these words. I slew him. This right hand stuck the dagger into his heart. My deeds slew Christ. Alas, I slew my best beloved. I killed him who loved me with an everlasting love. Oh, eyes, why do you refuse to weep? When you see the body of Jesus mangled and torn, give vent to your sorrow, for you have good reason to do so. Church, why? Why will we not weep over Jesus Christ? Why will we not allow ourselves to be moved by the sacrifice of our God who poured out his life on the cross for us? Unbeliever who is here today, why? Why do you stand at a distance and reject him and cast mockery on him as just some good teacher or some religious leader? Why do you not come and listen to his free invitation to come and bow in faith and receive him as Lord and Savior and have all of your sins, all of your sins forgiven? Why do we reject him? Why do we feel nothing towards him? On Good Friday, why do we feel nothing towards him every single day of the week? Because the reality of the cross is too distant from our heads and our hearts too often. And we come into this place this morning where we remember the suffering of our Savior Jesus Christ and we need to stay in this place. We need to look on him that was pierced for us. Listen, Jesus Christ Jesus Christ endured the cross. He endured the beatings, the mockings, the nails, the torture. But most of all, he endured the righteous wrath of a holy God so that you and I wouldn't have to. Let the weight of that hit you this morning. I don't know how else to say it. That should have been me on that cross. That should have been you on that cross. It shouldn't have been Jesus. Praise God that he went to the cross for us. Praise God that he went for sinners like you and for me. Let this hit you this morning. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Jesus Christ freely, freely gave himself for us. No one compelled him. No one forced him with an arm of power. He went willingly to die on the cross. He went because of his great love for us. A love that is completely undeserved. We don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Even on my best days, I don't deserve it, ever. And Jesus Christ went to the cross out of love and freely offered himself there for us. Verse 37, we see it right here in the text. There's no other way out of crucifixion. There's only one way out and we see it right here in the passage, verse 37. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and he breathed his last he died on that cross. Let the weight of that sink in for a moment. He didn't swoon. He didn't fake it. 
He didn't just hang there for a little while and then get down. He died on that cross for our sins. The gospel proves it. John adds a detail that's not in Mark. John adds the detail that when the evening was about to come, the Jews went to Pilate and they asked to have the body taken down off the cross so it wouldn't be there on the holy day. And Pilate asked, he summoned the centurions to ask if Jesus was already dead. And they said yes. And then they went out to him, double check, took the spear and pierced the spear into his side and out gushed water and blood, proving that Jesus Christ died on the cross. But he didn't die for no reason. He died for my sin. He died for your sin. Every bit of rebellion, every bit of it, he died there so that we could be forgiven by a holy God, a holy God who is so righteous, so holy, so pure that he can't look on sin. And guess what happened in that moment? When the weight of the sins of the world were piled on the Savior, the Father poured out his wrath upon him and turned away. God the Father turned away from Jesus so that he could look on us and receive us as children. And that can be yours by faith this morning. How do we respond? As the worship team comes back up, as we prepare our hearts to take communion, let's ask this question, how do we respond this morning? Well, really, there's only one or two fitting responses this morning. The first, the first response for each one of us, every single person in this place, first response should be brokenness. We should be broken. We should be broken at our deepest core. We should be rocked. We should be shook by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that he bore our sin on the cross and it cost him everything. We should feel sorrow this morning. We should feel sorrow over the fact that it took the death of Christ to pay my sin debt and to pay your sin debt. And then we should well up in faith and thankfulness, and embrace the Savior who gave so much for us. And we should be overjoyed, we should delight in him that he would be willing to go to that cross and to die there in our place, to take everything, all of the punishment, the wrath of God that was rightfully ours, to take it in that place, to be crushed for us, so that we could live forever with him. And this morning, maybe the response for you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, is a response of brokenness and humility. Jesus, I'm a great sinner, but you are a great Savior. I look to you now in faith. Forgive me. I give you my life. And maybe this morning the response is faith and repentance for the first time. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to delight in Him, not because of what He suffered, but to delight in him because of what he did and that he was willing to go to the cross for you and for me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, sweet Savior, we thank you that you came into this world to save sinners and that you willingly endured the hatred of man and the wrath of God for us. Lord, we worship you because you were condemned you were cruelly tortured. You were abused and crucified so that we could have life. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for us. Lord, we now offer you our lives. Lord, we give you our praise. Lord, be magnified among us, we pray in your name. Amen.